0: All right, get that synced up. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. It's a, it's a true privilege. Southern is near and dear to my heart. And so is Asian weekend and Asian night. And, uh, and this church, um, you know, I've spent many of Vespers here and worship services now, and it's been, it's been so great. Um, never would I have thought that as a student at Southern many years ago, um, that I would be the speaker on Asian Weekend. Um, I mean, I'm barely qualified to speak because I'm only half Asian, um, half Korean, half white. And uh, I could have worn a hanbok today. But uh, in fact, my mom was just commenting. She's out there. And uh, she's like, you could have worn your hanbok. And, um, but I, try, I was trying to keep it mixed up, because I'm mixed. And um, I, my wife got me this tie. There's a little like Korean flag down here at the bottom of it. Okay? Um, at least the symbols from it. So I'm going to tuck that back in now. All right. Um, So I don't have the typical Korean features when you look at me, and uh, it's always very entertaining to be a mixed-looking person. And I'm a dentist, and I meet lots of new people as patients, and uh, one time this this sweet old person on the phone called the office, and she's like, can I please have the nice Chinese dentist? (laughs) Sure, sure, that's fine, that's fine, (laughs) whatever. And uh, whenever I get a Filipino patient, um, they get this really hopeful look in their face when they look at me, and they're like, so, um, where are you from? And I feel so bad. I got to disappoint them every single time. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My mom's Korean. (laughs) Um, But I always tell them, hey, I love lumpia, though. It's really good. Really good. And... uh, Pancet, like that is so delicious too, so. Um, but then when it comes to like chocolate meat, I'm like, ah, oh, I've never tried it. I'd, I can't do the, the, the boiled pork blood. It's just not my thing. But if there's a vegetarian version at Asian night tonight, I would love to try it. Um, so some of you, you just know what to do You're driven. You're a driven person, motivated to succeed and do great things. You'll get done with your bachelor's in three years and not waste any time. Perhaps go on to a professional program and pay off your loans in record time and enjoy a very successful career. My wife, for example, um, she knew she wanted to be a teacher since kindergarten and never strayed from that. And she's an amazing teacher. She did education as her major here, never changed it, finished in four years like clockwork, and is just an awesome teacher. And then I have multiple friends who finished Southern in three years, and didn't even get their bachelor's, got, went straight to medical school or dental school, and just, it's amazing, it's ridiculous. And this is the rest of us, the rest of us, me. Um, a little bit about myself, I graduated high school in 2002 from Bothell High School in Bothell, Washington, in Washington State. And then I graduated Southern in 2008. I graduated dental school in 2012 at Loma Linda University. So if you paid attention to those years, you would have accurately calculated that I spent six years in college. But really, I spent my senior year of high school at a community college getting dual credit. So really, I spent seven years. (laughs) Seven years in college. But I know you're really nice, you're good people, and you're thinking maybe he took a year to do student missions or task force. That's why he took so long. Or maybe a gap year. Maybe it was just so much studying it took a gap year, but nope. Full 7 years, all straight through. Straight through. That's what happens when you start out doing electrical engineering because hey, you're Asian, you're good at math, good at science. I know a bunch of engineers. Sure, that could be me. And then I changed majors to mechanical engineering and then changed to aeronautical engineering as my GPA slowly, slowly went down. Um, I remember meeting with the advisor at the University of Washington when I first got there. He got me all set up for my classes. I was like, yeah, electrical engineering, take these classes, great, boom. Come back in a year, he's looking at my grades. He's like, well, you know, electrical engineering is pretty competitive, so I think you're still good for mechanical. It's like, okay, well, that's still engineering, I'll do mechanical. And then I came back like a quarter later and he's like, well, aeronautical is a lot lower requirements if you want to get in there. (laughs) Um, I mean, I wasn't failing, but I was not crushing it. And uh, eventually I switched majors to theology and narrowed down my career to dentistry and got back on track with my grades and graduated Southern with enough credits to have not one degree but two degrees. Now, I didn't say I had two degrees. I just had enough credits, okay? (laughs) I ended up taking the long way to getting my degree because I really wasn't motivated. So what changed? Well, I got the call. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So the year was 2004, right? 2004, just to give you some... Uh, background. I know the screen's kind of small, but if you have really good vision, um, can you tell me who that guy is? Oh yeah, I heard it. Mark Zuckerberg. It's the year Facebook was invented, 2004. And now it's just something old people use. But that's when it came out. It came out 2004. I'm an old person too. It's okay. Um, revolutionary at the time. And then something else came out around that time, became very popular. Does anyone know what that is? It's flash drive. I mean, people hardly even use those anymore. They just email it, send it to the cloud. But those were just coming out. And I got to Southern at orientation, and I remember the computer services guy holding one up and saying, we're hoping that this replaces the floppy disk. And I was like, wow. It did. It's amazing. And then, um, does anyone know what this is? It's a tube TV. I looked it up. Those were literally being, stopped being produced in 2004. So that's when those died. We have beautiful flat screens everywhere. So no smartphones, no data, no streaming music. That's what the times were like. Not black and white though. So leading up, in the months leading up to 2004, I went through a pretty serious life change. I was dating a girl who was not Adventist, not even Christian, not even religious. We met during our senior year of high school and dated into my freshman year of college. We both went to the University of Washington here, has one of the most beautiful college campuses, second only to Southern. Okay. <laughs> there is a courtyard that cr- is crisscrossed with walkways and cherry blossom trees and it looks beautiful like this for like three months out of the year when it's not raining. And huge buildings everywhere built with money donated by billionaires Paul Gates and Paul Allen. Sorry, Bill Gates and Paul Allen. I remember this distinct moment when she was telling me she had just written a paper for a class. Now, we were standing outside one of these many huge buildings and lecture halls, and she goes on to describe in this paper that she was so proud of that she wrote that she concluded that she could never, ever be religious. Not Christian, not Buddhist, not religious at all. Now, in some respects, it wasn't a surprise to me because she hadn't grown up religious and I knew it. But at the same time, it was a huge surprise to me because here I was a Christian, a leader in my youth group that I had grown up in, and the whole point of being Christian is to spread the good news and the person I loved was clearly rejecting it to my face. It was one of those moments where you hear the person talking, but it's kind of muted out by you're totally being shocked and you just don't know what's going on. And, you know, I had been raised Christian. i have been going to the North Seattle Korean Seventh-day Adventist Church my whole life. And I was baptized at the age of 12. I've always loved God and wanted to follow him, I, have grown up, I had grown up in this youth group, the English-speaking part of my Korean church. And I helped out in worship, I preached, taught Sabbath school. Bottom line is that I love serving God. I was also a young man in my very first serious relationship, and I made a series of poor choices in that relationship that did not reflect the values that God gave me to grow up with. So basically... I was a huge hypocrite. By the way, every time you think of calling someone else a hypocrite, it's always really good to just take a a good look in the mirror first and look over your life and remember that we're all cut from that same tainted cloth called sinner. So I'm standing there speechless outside this lecture hall with my girlfriend and a few others as she describes how she could never be religious and I ask myself... What am I doing? I certainly wasn't living the life God called me to and I wasn't living up to the values that I taught or that I had learned from the Bible. So in that moment I realized that the nearly past two years had slowly dragged me away from God instead of drawing someone else to him. So I ended that relationship and recommitted my life to serving him. My main takeaway from that time in my life is that when I make decisions with my own wisdom, instead of taking in God's wisdom, the results are less than optimal, very much less than optimal. There's a proverb that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, and in the end, it leads to death, and it's very true. So that is about the point where I got my call, but before we talk about my call, there is a great call to look at in the Bible. So let's take a look at the first big call in the Bible. It's, the Bible has devoted 15 chapters to the story of this man, and I think it's worth studying. Plus, he's technically Asian, so it fits in for today. All right, so let's turn to Genesis 12, 1 through 5. If you want to follow in their Bible, that'd be great. It says... The Lord said to Abraham, go from your, from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham, or Abram, was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. The New Testament also just speaks so highly of Abraham, and quoted from the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to go to Hebrews 11... and builder is God. Abraham's call in Genesis 12 starts out with God just talking to him. I don't know if it was a dream or a face-to-face meeting or a booming voice. He calls him to go to a place that he will show him. And Abraham sets out for Canaan. I get a little jealous. I get very jealous of people like Abraham and Sarah. Because God literally talks to him. The angel of the Lord speaks to him and Sarah. He is even spoken to in vision when he makes or cuts a covenant with God. He gets this amazing call multiple times over his life. God even comes down in person to chat with him. In the story in Genesis 18, Abraham is sitting at his tent at the entrance of it, and three people show up. Two of them are angels, and one is God himself. And that's when the angels go down to Sodom and Gomorrah to check it out, and he is literally negotiating with God face-to-face about saving Sodom and Gomorrah. It doesn't seem fair that he gets such a distinct call. And if we look back a little bit from chapter 12 in Genesis to chapter 11, I never realized this, But it says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. According to Genesis 11, it says that on the, like, his dad, his, Abraham's dad had originally set out for Canaan, but on the way he stopped in Haran and settled there. It makes me wonder, was God, was God already calling this family to settle in Canaan? The Genesis account doesn't say much more on it, but why even mention it? Was Abraham's father called too? Um, I struggled with this, and then I read more in the book of Acts to kind of give more clarity. So Acts chapter 7, sorry, As a visual reference for what's happening here in this story. Ur is way down here by the Persian Gulf. That's where Abraham's from. And then they travel up here to Haran together. And that's where his dad dies. And then he, he continues on down to Canaan here in Shechem. So that's a good visual picture for you to have as we go over this story. So we get clarity in Acts chapter 7. It says, this is, I think this is Paul talking. It says, to this he replied, brothers and fathers. No, it's probably Peter. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people. God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. So there you have it. Abraham was called, yet while still in Ur, in his hometown where he grew up, he was called. I feel like there's probably more to this story with his father, but maybe we won't get all the details until I get to ask Jesus in heaven. Abraham gets his call, brings his whole family, even his parents, uprooting everyone in his life. I wish there was a modern day equivalent to Abraham that I could convey to you, because He has tons of cattle, he has servants, and he just keeps acquiring more as the journey goes on. There's this one story where he has to rescue his nephew Lot. Does anyone know how many people Abraham gathered up from his camp, trained men, to go rescue Lot? 318. He had 318 trained fighting men with him. How many do you have with you? (laughs) When Abraham is uprooting his life and leaving, he's not just getting a U-Haul truck and moving across the country. As you get older, you tend to acquire things, okay? I remember when I first came to Southern, I pretty much had everything I needed and what I owned jammed into the back of my car, which was... Not this exact car, but it looked exactly like this car, okay. It was a 1987 Toyota Supra. And everything just crammed into the backseat in the trunk. And then my father and I, we drove across the country three long days and then started school at Southern. And then, after Southern, you know, a long time, lots of credits. After Southern... We moved to Loma Linda, and now I was married, so I was one more person added to the family. So we had to rent a Penske truck. Not that exact one, but it looked just like it. (laughs) And we had to put a car trailer on the back of it to tow our car, but it was not completely full. But we had a lot of stuff. And we were poor students, so I went with Penske instead of U-Haul. Penske gives a AAA discount, okay? Just... Note that for the future. So, driving across the country with a truck filled with all our furniture, clothing, bikes, books, it was stressful. I hate driving big trucks like that. And I hate having a trailer on the back. I never drive with a trailer. But once again, three days, three stressful days, and then we're in Loma Linda. And then we can start dental school there. Become a dentist, graduate. Then we moved to the Caribbean overseas. So now we moved to the the island of St. Kitts. We had to pack everything in boxes and then they were expertly packed into a shipping container all the way to the top of the container, 25 foot container. But now we had a baby, so we had even more stuff, more things to get in that container. It took three months for it to show up in St. Kitts and that was really fun, living just with our suitcases and what we brought. It's more stressful every time you move and you just keep accumulating more things. If you'd like to ask my parents about how many things they have, they can tell you (laughs) lots and lots of things. But that is nothing compared to Abraham. Abraham had at least 318 men with him at one point. Their families and all their things. Cattle. I'm going to go out on a limb here and conservatively estimate that that would be like 200 U-Haul trucks because Abraham was rich, he used U-Haul, not Penske. (laughs) Several tractor trailers full of cattle caravanning down the highway. I mean, I just don't know of a modern equivalent to Abraham. He's like a CEO of a multi-million dollar company with a security team and a multitude of cattle. He's responsible for a lot of people. And every decision that he makes has the weight of the well-being of all these people on it. But he takes all these people in faith, moves to Canaan across that peninsula because God has called him. And I ask the question, why Abraham? He has two other brothers Nahor and Haran. Why not them? Okay, but before we talk more about Abraham, we need to go back a few generations to the start of mankind and see what was happening. If you turn to Genesis 4.26, we just keep going backwards in our Bible, Genesis 4.26, it's a shorty. It says, At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. FYI, I know a lot of people know this, but whenever you see Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, it means that that is God's covenant name, Yahweh, okay? But since Jews do not like to say God's name, lest it be used in vain, they always avoid saying it. And so typically you would read Yahweh, you would just say Adonai, which means the Lord. So, every time, you, every time you see that little Lord, all caps, it's God's name, it's Yahweh. And men began to call on the name of the Lord, on Yahweh. So back to Abraham. God calls Abraham, and he goes out to where God has called him. And we look at what the Bible says. What does Abraham do everywhere he goes? Genesis 12, 8. Genesis 12, 8 says, And he moved... And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he builded an altar to the Lord, and what? He called. He called upon the name of the Lord. And then again, he comes back to that place. And uh, verse 4 from chapter 13, it says, Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at first, there Abraham what? He called. He called upon the name of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? There's a bunch of Bible verses about it, and I'm just going to rapid fire go through them so you know what it means to call on the name of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call upon God? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from mine enemies. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In that day you shall say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is clear from a search of Scripture that calling upon the name of the Lord is praising him, giving thanks, making known his deeds among the people, worshiping him, being saved by him, accepting salvation, calling out to him, asking him. He promises that if you call, he will and pray, he will hear. Old Testament and New Testament, calling upon the Lord is claiming him as king of your life, your rescuer, your redeemer. But it's more. It's a commitment, acknowledging his place in your life. So I encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord. Abraham was called, but he was calling upon the name of the Lord already before his call. It wasn't out of nowhere that his call came. You see, the natural result, the call, the call is a natural result of the relationship you already have. The call is a natural result of the relationship you already have. So back to my story. So, what year was it? 2004. 2004. Facebook. Flash drives. Tube TV's dead. I'm standing out in front of that huge lecture hall and I have this big relationship epiphany. So that was my first serious relationship. And let me tell you what happens when you date someone serious for the first time and it's your first real girlfriend. I'm sure you've seen it with your friends or yourself. Um, we spent a lot of time together, like a lot. And not my friends and I, my girlfriend and I. And I stopped hanging out with my friends and just did things with my girlfriend and her friends. And I was always prioritizing her and her friends over my own and even my family. And it wasn't a healthy relationship. And because of that, after we broke up, I just felt free. Just free to do anything. And I was entertaining all sorts of new career choices. And I grew up loving airplanes, and so I got an application to join the Marines and start exercising and working out a ton. And I was thinking, maybe I could be a pilot or a navigator or a Navy corpsman. And and then I just thought to myself, what am I doing? What am I doing? (laughs) I just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do with my life without regard for what God has desired for it. I'm not saying that whatever career choice that you have made is bad because you thought of it. I'm just saying be open to what God has to say about your life and your future. I mean, the one who knows how many hairs are on your head, he knows you. He knows you better than you. I realized I was doing the same pattern as my relationship, I would just do what I want and try to conform God's plans to that. And it wasn't a winning formula. I already saw how that ends up. So I took a new approach to life. Instead of doing my own thing, studying what I wanted to, working the job I wanted to, I said this. I said, God, you know me. You know what would be best for me And I want to serve you. So please show me your way. In other words, I started calling on the name of the Lord. I also prayed this prayer. I said, God, I'm content with being single. And just serving you. But. But. If you should think I should be with someone. Please introduce me to them. Because clearly I'm not picking out a good match. So i tell you what, since I said those prayers with an open heart, open to what God has in store for me, my life has just been incredible. And has it been easy? No, it has not been easy, but it has been incredible. And door after door has been opened as he leads me to this point right here in front of you. So after I'm finally content and want to just worship God with my life, something awesome happens. A few weeks later, I'm out at my friend's Korean church New Year's dinner, a different one from the one I usually go to, and I walk in the door and I immediately notice someone who is different. I mean, there's a whole house full of Korean people and one Japanese person. (laughs) Sticking out like a sore thumb. Now, I could legitimately tell that she was different, but you know, when you look at a house full of Asian people, you're like, whatever, they're all Asian. Um, <laughs> but you know what else, jokes aside, and I know that you can tell this. There's, if there's a whole house full of Christians, and there was, and I could just tell that this one had something very genuine with God. Was it the prayer she said before eating her food or was it just that like Moses spending time with God, it changed his appearance? When you spend time with God, it changes yours and everyone can tell. Now, you don't get to hear all the stories about how we met or all the details, but we started by talking on the phone, okay? So the year was what? 2004, okay? We live in such a great time with unlimited data on our phones. And if you don't have unlimited data, then you for sure have unlimited minutes. Is there anyone here who does not have unlimited minutes? That's exactly what I thought. That is exactly what I thought. That was not the case in 2004. I had 200 minutes, 200 minutes, okay, every month and 50 text messages, and 25 picture messages, because those are different, okay? (laughs) But I had unlimited nights and weekends, okay? So nine o'clock comes, unlimited calling. Weekend, Friday night, nine o'clock to Sunday, or Monday morning, unlimited minutes, okay? So Yuki was still at Southern, but I was still at the University of Washington. So what's the time difference? Three hours, hours, okay. So I call when I have free minutes at nine o'clock at night and it's midnight for Yuki. We would talk for like two hours a night. She was an RA at the dorm, so she often had to stay up late anyhow. We talked a lot. We talked about everything. We shared life experiences, stories, Bible verses. However God was inspiring and leading us, we shared it. You would think that we would be dating with how much we were talking, but we were not, okay? We were just friends who talked for hours every day, okay? (laughs) Every night. So, some would argue that we were more than friends, but we definitely weren't dating. So, she convinced me to come out to Southern to check it out. I had expressed how I felt God was leading me to study theology, and so she thought Southern would be a great fit, so I was like, oh, great. Spring break came. That's about this time of year anyways. Um, I booked a flight to visit Southern, stayed with her friends, met teachers, and decided that I really liked Southern and I really liked Yuki. Okay? A lot. Okay? I will spare you more details, but Yuki was just interested in being friends. I know, right? Okay? So, what happened was, the last night I was here, I was like, hey, I really like you. And then she just said, well, it's really awkward now. <laughs> and then she ghosted me for a week. <laughs> and uh, I know you know what that means. <laughs> and uh, so no communication for a whole week when we had been talking every single night for like two hours a night. So I was like, Something, something's up. I'm no fool. Something's up. So she finally called me back and she's like, hey, I've been talking to my friends about this whole situation and you know what I need right now? I just really need a friend. I was like... (sighs) I'd like to say that I willfully was like, yeah, of course, of course I could be your friend and meant those words. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I was very disappointed. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can be your friend, I can be your friend. But needless to say, we talked less after that. We didn't stop talking, but we talked less. So I come to Southern, fast forward, I come to Southern to study theology and pre-Dent that fall, and we're just friends still. She convinces me to help out with Asian Club. Love Asian Club. I'm helping out with Asian Club, and we're having a, um, a gym night one weekend, and I'm helping organize it, but I say, hey, I called her. I can't come this weekend. My brother's gonna be close by, and I'm gonna go visit him. And she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Hang up, and then a minute later she calls me back. It's like, hey, Yuki. She's like, well, you know, I would just, I would really like it if you were there this weekend. It's like, oh sure, I'll I'll stay. And then <laughs> Of course I'll stay. And then and then she proceeds to talk a little more. She's like, you know, Michael, have you ever considered us dating? And I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> I have. We talked more, and we prayed about it together, and it was amazing. It was amazing. I hung up, and, you know, that was the call. That was the call. We had been talking for months, for hours, but that was the call. And it was like music to my ears. She finally wanted to go out with me. We went on a date, and shortly after started dating, officially, November 6th. (laughs) When she called, it was amazing. And when God calls, it's amazing. I'm telling you, if you want the call, if you want direction, it starts with a relationship. If you want to make the call, you have to already, if you want the call, you have to already be calling. Make it your practice to call upon the Lord. When I submitted my life to God, when I was open to serving him, any way he wanted me to, wow, that's when my life changed drastically. And that is when Abraham's life changed radically. Psalm 145 verse 18 it says the Lord is close to all that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth Abraham received his call because he had been calling upon the name of the Lord he had a relationship with God already and was close to him I got my call my call to ministry, to dentistry, to missions, to my family, when I called upon the name of the Lord. I love, I love what God has done with my life. And ever since that prayer, little things and big things, he's just led me to do things for him. And one thing was being a call porter. He called me to be a call porter right after that, and then I met Yuki, and I came to Southern and studied theology, then I pursued dentistry, and then I went out to do, um, well, Yuki and I, we we had kind of had a little contention early on in our relationship. She had always been called to do long-term missions, and I was like, no, no, that's not for me. I want to do like youth ministry, local stuff. And... And then, but we're, we said, oh, we're both open to serving God, however he wants us, bottom line. And so first thing, I get to Loma Linda, and I come home, I'm like, hey, I want to do long-term missions. <laughs> She's like, where is this coming from? And, uh, and so that's how we ended up in St. Kitts in the Caribbean. And then we, at just the right time, we left there and moved to Oregon to meet some amazing families and um, be in an amazing church there. And then now we're in Tennessee. And those are just the big, broad strokes of my life about how God has been leading and pushing us to follow him. Um, It's not gonna be easy all the time, but there will always be someone there to bear the burden with you. If you want the call, you have to be calling. Abraham got the whole gamut of calls from an in-person visit to a vision, but mine has been a still, small voice that pushes me to do His will. God only knows what yours is, an audible voice, a vision, Bible verses that speak to you, or maybe even another person. But when you hear it, you will know. So I encourage you, to call upon the name of the Lord. Thank you. Um, Let's pray. Father God, there's a lot of young people here, a lot of people, middle of life, and those who look back on a great life too. And uh, we all need to hear your call. We all need your leading in our life. And I pray that we can come to you with open hands and say, God, whatever you want, I'll follow you. Please give us the courage to do that, to follow you and to listen to your call. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.